1: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to checking in with Michelle Williams, a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect. Hey, you guys, I'm bringing somebody on the show today because he just is such a great example of not giving up, a great example of staying the course, believing in yourself. So I'm going to make sure that these next conversations that you guys hear are leaning more into that direction of you making sure that you don't bend, you don't cower, and that you don't lose who you are authentically. Now, we will grow and we will evolve and, you know, some of those rough edges will be smoothed out a little bit, but it will still be you. A lot of us, you know, we don't want to grow or we'll say, this is just who I am. No, some of it is not who you are. Some of your responses, some of our behaviors have been because maybe you've been hurt a lot in the past. You've been rejected You've been abandoned. You've been overlooked. You know, we can kind of heal through all that and, and, and clear all that rubble from around our heart. We'll realize that that's not who we are, that God has created us for something far more greater. So our next guest is going to really help us tune in and check in with our hearts, who we want to be and what it is that we truly want to do in life. How you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. How are you?
1: I am good. Okay, I'm corny today because okay, I'm wearing a beanie.
2: Look at you! I'm not wearing In a beanie. In honor of I wish- you, I know I should have <laughs> had a beanie on. I should have had a beanie. I wish I'd have got the um the uh, the note. I should I should be wearing. That's on brand. I should be wearing my beanie. <laughs> it's
1: okay. It's okay, but. You guys, you know, just when God has been good to people, their Mm -hmm. greetings are different. Their posture is different (laughs) because God has been so good in PJ's life. I first was introduced to you, I want to say in 1999, I believe it was, through Algebra Blissette. Mm-hmm. Can you recall that? Was it that long ago?
2: It probably was around there because I moved to Atlanta in the end of 99, 2000. So it probably was around there. And I met okay. Algebra as so, soon as I got to Atlanta. I was like, who are these people, these talented people? Okay. So, so that makes that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't remember okay. that it was Algebra first, but yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah it was. Uh, for, for me, I mm-hmm. believe it was yeah. Algebra. I remember... I think you might have been having a show or something in Atlanta that I really wanted to try to make it to, because I remember those were the that was the first early years of me being in Destiny's Child, and
2: right. So, and also I'm, shout out to Algebra because I did my very first—I mean, as a singer, I did my very first show opening up for Algebra.
1: That's what it was. In and low five points,
2: Yeah, and, and Low Five Points, my first show ever. Uh, like, my okay. dad was there. He was like, who is it? Because I was this shy guy. Like, I was scared to sing. I was always okay to play. But he was like, who are you? Like, are you singing and you're, like, talking? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I Wow, see, I didn't know that. You're yep. probably giving us listeners something that we didn't know. You guys, I'm mm-hmm. just smiling from ear to ear because, like I said, from... Okay, so we'll say the year 2000 for sure. Mm-hmm. All the way up to now in 2022, your trajectory of success and I know you had some which we didn't see. I'm sure some hidden lows.
2: Oh, sure. Right? Yeah.
1: And so we are just excited y'all to have y'all. I didn't even do a proper introduction. We are excited to have a multi Grammy Award winning artist, songwriter, producer, musician, as well as founder and CEO of Morton Records, whose latest project, Gospel According to PJ, actually earned him a Grammy Award in 2021 for Best Gospel Album. Yeah. Y'all, y'all probably already heard me say his name. Come on in. Give it up for PJ Morton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, you always make me laugh. Man. <laughs> I,
1: was, I was supposed to do that first, but when you mm-hmm. know people, you just start to kind of get into in. conversation. Yeah. But I was like, no, he deserves us to rattle off his accolades and everything musically. Um, in preparation for this interview, I was listening to one of my favorite albums, and I just love Son of a Preacher Man. Mm. Mountains out of mohills please don't walk away from me. (laughs) Oh, and yes, of course, everything in twenty twenty one.
2: Yes, they walk alone. um, Album, no, huh?
1: Come on, absolutely. And I also want to make mention of you actually also being a member of Maroon Five.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) come on, come
1: on. So
2: so much stuff is coming back. I'm gonna let you do your thing, but I remember being in Europe somewhere and you coming to see Maroon 5 perform and you introduced me to Quincy Jones that night it was so crazy and I think freaking Rod Temperton was there you brought me to a place, wow and Quincy started talking man okay I'll let you do your thing but but that just brought me back because we just happened to be in London yeah,
1: people love being nosy, so let's just talk as if this not as okay. if this is not an interview. But yes. <laughs>
2: okay. yes, yes, thank you for introducing me to one of my heroes, Quincy Jones. I was in London, I think it was London, and it was. And you happened to be in town, and I was like, "We'll come to this Maroon show," and you were like, "All right, we'll come to this dinner." And I didn't know who was there, but it was Quincy, and then Rod Tipperton. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it was it was crazy, it was crazy. And Quincy started, as he does, he's a gift. You don't even have to start asking him about that stuff. He started talking about Michael, he started talking about Paul McCartney. I was, I couldn't believe it was happening. But yeah, that was early on too. Uh, that was, was my, maybe my first year of Maroon 5. Yeah, which was, that was 2010, Listen. so that, yeah. I,
1: I think I was in London doing Chicago, the musical. At that's, that right, time, that's right. That's right. That's right. And have a good friend over there, and her father owns a restaurant. And I think they were, and Quincy Jones is really good friends with that family. Mm,
2: and, great memory um, in my mind. Yeah. It's
1: such a great memory. And if I'm a, I think he talked about Billy Holiday or I think
2: maybe he was rattling off.
1: Sheesh. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's a legend. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I wanna, I wanna go back. Back. So you were Mm -hmm. born in New Orleans. Okay. Graduate of Morehouse.
2: Graduate of Morehouse. That's right. Marketing degree. Mm -hmm.
1: Marketing degree and is a full on, full time musician. But I'm going to assume you've been using some of that marketing degree and how you've been handling all the the projects lately. Because I think you have been nonstop and very inspirational on how to market. You've been going at this a long time, PJ.
2: hmm yeah.
1: What has kept you going? Because had you quit, we would probably just be texting. Wouldn't be yeah. this.
2: No, no. Why'd and, you keep and,
1: going? How?
2: And and quitting entered my mind so many times. I mean, like, at so many points in this, you know? Like you said, I have been doing it a very long time. Even a songwriter, you know, before the artist stuff, I my first placement as a songwriter was 15 years old. So I was in it for a, for a long time
1: Yes,
2: and, and, wa- and wanted to quit plenty of times. I will say one thing was just purely the love. Like, I just genuinely love this. I love music. I love creating things from scratch. I love presenting things to people. I love the road, you know, some things about it, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. yeah, But I love playing to people. I mean, that part that just never gets old to me. And, and really, I just knew that if I quit, you know, I always tell people like you're, you're a finger, you know, like if you don't do what Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do, or if you're trying to copy this person, or if you're trying to uh, follow a a wave, uh, then you're missing all those people that you're, um, designed to touch you know and i just knew in the back mm-hmm. of my mind even when it was hard and i'm like Man, people don't get me but i have to do this because if i don't then nobody will because nobody can be me you know nobody can be exactly me and that just kept pushing me i just knew there was a greater purpose um mm. and and i just every time you know my wife Courtney can tell you i'll be like one day like it's over and then she'll be like the next day i'll be like all right uh I got it. Let's let's go. I mean, let's go. All right. Reset. Res- you know what I mean? I've had to do that many times. Yeah. Mm. Oddly enough, like the album that kind of turned things around for me. Gumbo when I moved back to New Orleans was p- supposed to be my last album. I mean, I told Uh-oh. everybody that. Yeah, I, I was like because I left L.A. I had written claustrophobic in L.A. And I'm like, yo, I- I'm out of here. Like, this is just like too much. And I said, what I'm going to do is make an album that I want to hear. I don't care if it sells anything. I don't care if it works on radio. And that was Gumbo. And it just taught me a big lesson of, well, maybe I shouldn't have been cerebral about it anyway. Maybe I should have been at this whole time saying, just make what you want to make. Just make what you love. And, it, and, and sure enough, that one connected. And it was like, oh, wow, I was about to end on this. you know. So yeah. Woo! Yeah.
1: Y'all, if y'all go on a music platform and you can see his albums. So Gumbo was 2017. Mm-hmm. But you got something on here from 2006.
2: Yeah. Emotions. Well, emotions, my first album. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mm-hmm. didn't know if it was something that somebody threw on there that you didn't know about.
2: No, no. Emotions. That no, emotions. <laughs> yeah. Emotions was my very first album. I came off a tour with Eric Badu. That was that was that was like the first album. Okay. Thing. Yeah, so let's
1: go along this timeline, okay? 2006, then you had Walk Alone about 2010,
2: that's right. Yeah, they must not have Live in LA on there, that was 08.
1: Then there's something that says 2013, New yep. Orleans,
2: that's my Young Money album, my only major label album. Yeah, and Soul Volume One
1: 2016, mm-hmm. and then Gumbo
2: 2017. Mm-hmm. B- Bounce and Soul was when I moved home. I was like, I didn't want to do music. I came home. I moved to New Orleans to start a sneaker store. I was just done with music. And I said, well, you know what, bounce music. I I don't take that seriously. You know, that's what we grew up on. I'm like, let me get Juvenile and Manny Fresh and Trombone Short. I got all in New Orleans together, moved home. And I was like, not thinking. I'm like, just having fun. And that is really what popped me out of my slump of like, Mm. not wanting to do music you know, like letting go and like just having fun, not overthinking anything actually put me in my place where I'm like, all right, I I do want to, I do want to make music, wow. you know? Yeah.
1: That's so good. Yeah. Y'all, the reason why I went on his timeline, because he's saying 2017 is when it really jumped off for him. Right. And oh, six, that's like 11 years of still going and trying. And before you released Gumbo, you almost quit. There are lyrics in that song, Claustrophobic, mm-hmm. where you say someone told you, can you like cuss a little more? Can you be a little more thug?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not quite street enough. Yeah, thug life, my name. <laughs> Yeah, 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 right.
1: The audacity
2: yeah and it was said so many different ways, you know some of it was unspoken, like when I was on young money, nobody asked me to be that, but it was like, you're in this crew, and i thank thankfully, I was confident enough to just be myself. but like mm-hmm. I could just feel people wanting me to be different. you know, I remember a specific meeting I took that sparked me writing claustrophobic, and in that meeting, this guy asked me if I was cool with d j mustard or if like like have I ever gone in with dj mustard and i'm like i haven't but like have you listened to my music at all you know what i'm saying like or am i one size fits all <laughs> like mustard was on a run at that time so i get it right that's what these labels do they like all right who's go who's hot let's go let's get mm-hmm. them and plug and play and i'm like do you even care like what you know what I'm saying you just want a hit song and that's why I was like, yo, know, I, I just was born in the wrong era or something. I was like, it's okay. Like, I'll write songs for people, I'll produce. But like, as an artist, I uh, I think I'm gonna just chill, you know? Yes. Thank God I didn't.
1: Thank God you did not, because me and you ended up in a studio together um, with Warren yeah. Campbell, you know, yeah. for my very last project. We were trying to get something popping. Yeah. And we still can, we still can. Of course, but
2: of course, it's that, still pops. <laughs>
1: i don't put you on the spot right now i don't want you to feel obligated (laughs) so i'm saying all that to say to encourage listeners you know it might not happen in the first year it might happen when you keep going in your fifth year or in your 10th year but when it happened for you you were ready
2: man was i ready like you know i mean you were over ready (laughs) yeah we were all fully prepared it's like I mean, my whole squad, I mean, it's been the same guys too. I mean, my drummer, Ed, we had a band when I was like 12, you know, and he was 15, 14. We've been doing it a long time. And I guess I I mentioned the live album saying that's not there uh, because I did another live album right after my Young Money album called Mm -hmm. Live Show Killer. But what's so crazy is, and one of my favorite books, Tipping Point, talks about small changes that make big differences, right? And it's like... I didn't really change that much. Like w- when, mm. when it happened, I didn't really do that much different. You know, it was like Gumbo came and then it became Grammy nominated. I didn't win that year, but yeah. I could tell that people were paying attention. So I was like, well, I'm going to do a live album, not something different. I always did them. This was my third live album, you know what I'm saying? But like, for some reason it was time and it connected. And but mm. but I guess I say that to say it's not always about like switching everything you're doing it's more about staying persistent and consistent with what you're doing when you believe in it. You know, you got to be able to adjust. I have reinvented so many times in different ways, but the core remains the same, you know. And for some wow. reason, this time it like lit fire and it and it just it just caught on, you know. But I didn't I was like, "Why? What's happening?" You know, I've been doing this like this, but yeah.
1: We're so glad you kept going. It was in that moment when you decided to be authentic to be
2: you, Willie.
1: Mm-hmm. Walk Alone album. To me, I would think that Why? was you. Yeah, no, you. Yeah, yeah. But it took seven years from that moment, eight or longer, from 2017. So I guess to encourage people, yo, continually be you. Somebody will grab hold to you, love you. 100%. and There's room for for you. on purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.
2: Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Backing track, too, because I know a lot of listeners are like, you know, Michelle, I I want to do this, but I'm in this. So, yes, you grew up in a home where your parents are pastors. You're very well known. I mean, your father shifted a whole church movement. Your dad mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. did that. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. father
0: <laughs> did <laughs> that,
1: right? And so, of course, you're the talented son. Of course, it's normal to see you on the piano. You're in church and then you're like, Yeah, but I think I can do this outside the church. I can make impact outside the four walls. Yeah. What is your advice to people? Well, actually, y'all, it's in his song, Son of a a Preacher Man. I guess you'll listen to that. (laughs)
2: Because people say,
1: say, Michelle, I want to pursue music other than gospel, or I want to pursue the arts, period.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What made you say, Mom, Daddy, I love you, but I'll be right back? (laughs) Yeah. Just hold up,
2: I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just kind of knew intuitively that there w- was more. And thankfully, you know, I had a father. My father's Canadian, right? So he w- he came all the mm-hmm. way to New Orleans. and
1: Listen to that Lattice album. He tells you the story. <laughs>
2: so Detroit. Uh, yes, sir. Detroit mm-hmm. Windsor. Come
1: on. Mm-hmm.
2: But he, my, thankfully, my father understood out, you know, because he understood Motown. He was around that stuff. So he knew that there was more, which is why he was so cutting edge as far as reformation with full gospel. And like, even Mm -hmm. we were the first church on TV. We were the first church on BET, you know, like all that type of stuff. My father was just ahead of the game in his thinking, which is why I got it honest, you know? So I knew there was more, but I think the key is not just wanting to Buss out or be rebellious because that's what mm. that's the blueprint I never had. Everybody I looked to, um, which is why it was like new ground for me to break. Everybody I looked to either was mad at the church, you know, and was like, I'm out, I'm about to do the wildest thing I can do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was never anybody saying, you know what, I'm not putting that to the side. I'm not denouncing anything. I'm still gonna w- remain who I am and keep my standards but I want to talk about more, you know what I'm saying? And I knew that there was more. I just knew that there was more because the sky is blue. You know, like if I write about the sky being blue, it's not a gospel song, but it's God, uh, you know. And it's not
1: gonna send you to hell.
2: Yeah, it's not gonna, no, talking about the blue sky is not gonna send you to hell, nor is seeing a woman that you want to date and then eventually marry, you know. Nor is writing about that gonna send you to hell. Because it's real life. It's literally real life, you know? So to talk about it, I don't see how that then turns it. That's why the book I wrote, Why Can't I Sing About Love? The song I wrote was Why Can't I Talk About Love? But when I wrote the book, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, it's never an issue to talk about it. It's when we turn it into a song that all of a sudden it became bad. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, you can talk about love. Oh, my wife. Oh, even the pastors, they get funny talking about what they're doing with their wife. but no, but if you sing about it, then it becomes, mm. you know what I mean? So I, I just got that. And I was like, nah, that's that. Those are the types of things didn't let me give up. You know, it's like, no, I gotta, I gotta let people know this. That was my good news. Like, yo, y'all can live a whole life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but for me, breaking out was, I started with the lowest hanging fruit. I didn't just break out. I was writing songs for the church albums. I was writing songs for my nope. dad. You know, it was one thing after another. Then Men of Standard was my first placement outside Ooh. of that. That's what made me feel like I was a real songwriter. I was 16. Jay Moss produced it. And um, and then I left. I went to Atlanta. And, but all these were natural progressions. I think sometimes people just try to jump out as opposed to being like water and not fighting, mm. but like flowing, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, I know you have tons of friends. Friends that love you, it's like you're just a light to everyone that is in your presence. And speaking of friends, this is why friends is so important. I'll never forget, I had a friend who called me one day and found my number in the bottom of a moving box. Just called the number to see if it was the same. And he was like, hey, I'm going on tour with Monica at 98 Degrees. And I was like, well, what you telling me for? If you need a background <laughs> singer, tell her holler at me. Right. Tell her I said hi. That was Freddie Moffat. Do you remember him? Wow. He
2: was I do remember Freddie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: rest in peace, by the way. Um, yeah,
2: man. Much love lost to his Freddie. his
1: life. Yeah, a couple months ago. So, y'all, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. Bear with me. You had a friend, Adam Blackstone.
2: I did. Yeah.
1: That hit you about Maroon 5.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Friends, y'all. It's so straight important straight up
2: friends. And the way it got to him was friends, right? So it's like wow, they the Maroon Five, the story is that Maroon Five was going on a tour. They just had finished a record and were going on tour and wanted to change up their live show. So they reached out to Amir to, to quest love. And this is twelve years ago now, so they just had gotten when I joined room Five. They just had gotten Fallon. That's when they became the, the the band on TV, and so Quest couldn't do it obviously. And because of friendship, Quest was like, "Well, I, I got a friend, Adam Blackstone. He's a music director. Wow. He can help you." And so when he came in, they were like, "Yo, we need a a keyboard player that can sing." And he's like, "Oh, I <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got you covered. Like, what I know. I know the guy." And initially. It was just me, so he just sent me. He was like, "You want to do it?" And he would call me for gigs. I'm like, "Black, I don't want to do no gigs. Like, I'm an artist. Oh. I don't really want to gig, you know." But at that time, I was so burnt out, and I knew that this was different. I knew this wasn't a gig. I knew this was a band that I would become a part of. And so I had to. I had at least enough insight to realize this. Not just him calling me for a gig, right? And so Black said, "I know the guy," and then. So they said yes. And then they were like, well, we don't know him. So let's just, can you set up some auditions? So I first, my first audition in life. I mean, this is my first audition in life. I had never auditioned. And Maroon Five, by the way, had been a band since they were in eighth grade. So they had never done an audition. And so (laughs) they told me to learn Sunday morning. I mean, so simple, you know? But it was oh my gosh. Yeah. So I played Sunday morning and, (gasps) and they were like, Well, what else you know? And so we started jamming for like 30 minutes and they had people waiting for the audition. And so they had to see those people. They didn't tell me this till after, but they knew after me, I was first. And uh, they canceled canceled the second day of auditions actually. And, uh, but that was purely friendship. I mean, I would have not, they didn't know me, Mm. you know, and black didn't know them. So it was kind of like, but because of that friendship, he knew that I would show up for him And he definitely showed up for me because that changed Mm -hmm. the trajectory trajectory of my life. Shout out to Black doing the Super Bowl.
1: Listen, oh, my gosh. I love that you were there first and last.
2: Come on, come
1: on, first and only. (laughs) Canceled second day of auditions. (laughs) Your writing is true to life situations, songs about I don't want to go through your phone.
2: Yes, yes. I don't
1: want to lurk. But pass me your phone right quick. I'm gonna just say uh, something. No.
0: <laughs> you write yeah.
1: about like real life to the point it's almost cringe worth because all of us are guilty of. I don't want to go through your phone. I have gone through phones.
2: One, yes. one. Yeah, I've gone okay. through all one. Right. Sometimes that's that means, all it takes to never do it I again. Went,
1: yeah, I yeah. went through one. Just one. I promise y'all, I've only been through one.
2: Okay, we know okay. you
1: as the amazing musician and writer, but you are a husband. I am. Yeah, are come on, somebody. You are a father. How are you balancing all of that and still being relevant in music?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough one. I, I kind of took the pandemic as a as a gift initially because I was so nonstop. Because my challenge is that. You know, especially if I'm in an album cycle, like if I just released an album and Maroon is also busy, I have to just fill in the gaps for mine. So that mm-hmm. those years, I would say three years from Gumbo to Gumbo Unplugged to Paul, all of that, those th- three years, it was like I knew it was crazy when I did a Maroon 5. We did a U.S. tour. I went home for a day and then did a mm-hmm. whole Japanese tour on my own. And I was like, man, I can't do this. And And it wasn't until the pandemic that I stopped and said, Oh, my God, like, I'm so tired. Like, I didn't even realize like, what in the world? Like, because I had to turn my brain off to do what I was doing. I could not think about it. Like, I literally had to just be a zombie and say, All right, come on, man, this is what you asked for your whole life. Let's, let's go. Let's keep going. You know, I learned from my father who was very busy back then. They used to do revivals, five night revivals, you know, and he would do a hundred dates a year, my dad, you know? And so I did already understand how to be present. It's really about the quality time, not the quantity, because there are fathers who work nine to six every day, you know, and they see their kids maybe when before school and, and after school for a second but there's no quality. They're not
1: present. Yeah, yeah they are they're, they're not, not there. Present. They're,
2: they're just there. So I knew that from my father because when he was there, he was there there. You know what I mean? So ah. I never felt like, oh, my dad's gone so much. So I that always gave me a little peace. But the pandemic gave me that in a different way and I needed it. I got to teach my two youngest how to ride bikes and like, you know, just really be in their in their lives in a different type of way. And And so now moving forward, I've implemented things that, that that just have to be different, you know, like yeah. tours, a month, not a month long. I do two weeks on, two weeks home, two weeks on, two weeks home, stuff like that, that I'm just really trying, you know, we were trying to experiment with the Thursday through Sunday and then go home like the country artists do, but like just finding new ways <laughs> to make sure that we are balanced, you know, that I'm balanced with that because it was really tough. I mean, we made it through, we were doing all right, but, um, but it, it that's a challenge, you know, to, to, yeah. to juggle all of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. People also think that relationships are easy, perfect, or how about just marriage period? Is there something you can share from your experience in marriage that can help relationships the most? Like one thing yeah. that you like, this is what keeps us solid, you and Courtney.
2: Um well for us specifically uh is our friendship that has been our backbone. Mm. I don't know if it was on purpose because I was I was ready to go, but we dated for about five years. I just had gotten out of a relationship, but not not dated that whole five, but we were we were forced to be friends and not fully lock in. And we really Mm. got to know each other on a different way. And I was also commuting. She was living in New Orleans, I was in Atlanta. And then Katrina brought her to Atlanta. And then we were really got to spend that type of time. But because we didn't have it before, it forced us to talk and communicate and be, you know what I mean? So now wow. when it comes down to, or we have a crazy argument or something, it's like, all right, let's, sh- you're my friend. Like, let me, first of mm. all, you know, cause when you take that out, cause sometimes I'm like, you give your friends more grace than you do your partners, you know? because you have less teeth and you know they have less in the game but it's like no give me that give me that grace like how you understand your friend did something really messed up but you're a friend and you like all right you crazy but no give me <laughs> but- I, I want that grace yeah like give me that grace but oh. our friendship has been one thing and freaking I know it's said a lot and it's like almost please but communication like even when it's like you think you don't need to say it you should say it like you should try to talk as much as possible and just get it out because all you're doing is like getting that understanding, you getting, working your algorithm, you know, your algorithm gets better and better once you like, okay, you don't like that. But I know that because you told me and from the flip side, you can't assume that they're going to know what you're thinking or feeling, you know, no matter how long, I mean, we've been, like I said, five years. So, uh, Jakai is 17, my oldest, like it's been since then. And, um, you know, and that was through, through marriage. Yeah. My, my oldest son, and so 13 years married though, you know what I'm saying? And still, still, still to yesterday, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> m- we can miss each other, you know what I'm saying? Come on! It can happen. I mean, you, keep you know- it real, it's, thank you. It's hard enough to keep yourself together, let alone trying to be, communicate with another human all the time and make sure they, un- uh, you know what I mean? So it never stops that learning, but just the payoff of it is amazing. Because then when it's hard wow. and it's rough and when I tell you like when I want to give up, I got my friend there that knows and has been there and understands when I was up and like knows what the dreams are because we've communicated them, And it's like, woof, I would not want to be alone through all of this, you know, so that payoff of all that of that work is just amazing, you know, and it makes me grateful, uh, even for the hard times because we always become better after that, you know, That's
1: so good. So what I heard you say is you wouldn't want to lose your friend.
2: I wouldn't want to lose my friend. Yeah. Period. Come on.
1: Wow. So friendship is, it's true when they say that has to be the foundation of relationship. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I feel like you're private about that part of your life. And I don't Mm -hmm. cry when I know somebody is private. But at the same time, you are more than just just amazing accomplished musician that we know there is yeah, another no. part of you that that keeps you going as well so thank you for sharing that yeah
2: I think you know part of it is Courtney's very private too but we we talk and and part of it for me is I'm careful I know sometimes people year one of marriage they like having classes and like teaching and Conference, like, you know what I mean, mean you know guilty. what I mean really mm-hmm. well I, I didn't even but I mean you get that <laughs> feeling but I think I think, I mean, and you feel like that, like, especially when you fresh in it, you like, oh, it's working, I got here. This, I'm already beating the statistics, I'm locked in, you know what I mean? And you feel like, let me help you, you know, let me help you, especially if you already naturally do that. But what I've seen is there is literally no one size fits all. I mean, sure, there are threads, like that communication, I don't care who you are. That friendship, I'm telling you, it can make Mm. it better, no matter who you are. But I also had to realize, like, our marriage, is our marriage. And the answers I give you, I want you to take, oh, I'm talking about when friends ask and stuff, take it with a grain of salt, take it in and use what you can and trash what you don't need because you're not me and she's not Courtney. You know what I mean? So like mm. take in the stuff that applies to you and can help you, but don't think that that is the end all be all because your marriage is your marriage. And I saw that my parents have been married 44 years, you know what I mean? And like, Seeing that too was very helpful always, and they kept it real with me. Like, not it's not gonna always be good. I think that's the trick. Because so, when that's the challenges come, then it's like, all right, but well, this don't feel like it's right. Let me go. Let me let me roll. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ooh, yeah.
1: So you, and Courtney, y'all gotta make about forty years
2: of marriage before y'all consider anything. Y'all gotta. Yeah, I ain't gonna be giving. Yeah. I ain't gonna be giving you no. Know, <laughs> you know, if I'm, you know, probably by when we hit fifty, I'll be like, look, this is how you. This is how you do it. Okay. I'm y'all ready?
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. This is so good. You talked about wanting to give up in music. Can you share about anything? How do you check in when something is stressful or do you get anxiety about anything, any Mm -hmm. slivers of depression?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if I would say depression, anxiety for sure, just because, you know, and this self-diagnosed, but like, well, well, a (laughs) workaholic, you know, I've been a workaholic, you know, it it seems like it's in good, it is in good spirits that I am that like trying to always trying to be ahead and always trying to think of the next idea and do all of that. But I started to realize that maybe I'm trying to block something or maybe I'm trying to ignore something by just staying busy. And didn't like to the quiet, you know, and, uh, you know, and had to mm. understand that really and understand like how to be with myself, you know, and my thoughts and, and really work through those and be, and be like, what I got, a got a song that I'm working on called Be Like Water. So that's in my head right now. But, but it is that it is not fighting, uh, but like adjusting, you know what I mean? Okay. But my anxiety was that overthinking. All, always or oh, what if this is you know what is the instead of being present and um right. and for me that's what I had to realize and that I don't have to be everywhere and no you don't have to uh that's good let them they got that win. you don't have to also be around you know what I'm saying like understand what yours is it really it comes down to you know just being secure in yourself and that's what I had I mean I know I've said a couple of different things but like For me.
1: This has been brilliant. We have uncovered so much in 37 minutes. (laughs) I'm ready to take this beanie off. off. (laughs) This is a moment for me. Overthinking can cause you not to be present.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Most of the time, anxiety is we're fearful of something that's not even going to happen.
2: Yeah, that could potentially happen. or That could. Yeah. But well, yeah.
1: most of the time, it ain't. It ain't. Yeah, it can, depending on your responses to it.
2: But it's not happening. It's yeah. not happening. But yeah. there have
1: been some, personally, I've self sabotage moments because of overthinking. Sure. So it can sure. happen, like I said, depending on your response to it. You might you make you know, it happen.
2: A, yeah. You might make it happen, and it wasn't going to. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I you know, because... If it's happening, then you're handling it, right? Like, if it's happening, then you're you you're handling it, so you don't even have to worry about something that you can't control. C- control. And what I noticed too is um, this is something that me and Rico love talked about. But like, there are things. What I is more recent that I've noticed. But like, in that anxiety world, is there may be something that happened to me as a kid, like somebody laughing at me, or like some like mm-hmm. a, an embarrassing moment or something that hits me. And I don't, it's like not even in my, I'm not even thinking about this, you know, but it it puts fear, it's fear, you know, it puts fear in of something that could happen or something that will Mm. happen. And, um, yeah, the thing is being, being present, (laughs) being present. I had to learn that. and, And that's, that's been my life, you know, here more recently.
1: Love it. Y'all, yeah. I'm so glad I slept with French braids in my hair last night. Yeah, to hair looks good. The to create it, it these was, waves, cause honey, it, it
2: works. You must have known it was gonna work. Yeah. Well, y'all thought hair
1: was for to come up with that beanie. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, honey. Y'all ain't going to ever catch that happening to me, honey. Listen, oh my gosh, I probably just have two or three more questions for you. You mentioned a song called Be Like Water that's in your head. So listen, y'all, whenever he comes on Instagram and says he's working on new music, I throw my head off, hat off a <laughs> fan.
2: Uh, silly. <laughs> I think
1: we I think I think I gave you a concept about fear and overthinking and control mm-hmm. and a control freak. You could work with that however you Let will. Go.
2: Yes, I appreciate You also it.
1: mentioned one of my favorites ever, Rico Love. Um yes, I don't know if that means you and him are collaborating,
2: That's my bro. you know. More just just friends in life, to be honest. I mean, we have collaborated. He's come down in New Orleans here to Gumbo Studios. That's where I am right now to work on yep. things, and we worked on things together. But really, more than anything, that's that's just my that's just my bro. That's just my okay. bro. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: can you tell us a change of what you're working on? Is it too early to say when is it coming out so folks can get their coins ready?
2: It's too early to say that. Yeah. But I am actively, <laughs> I'm actively working on music. I mean, like actively, yes. actively. And I, I can say that very soon. I'm working. I've been showing. I'm working on a song called "My Peace." Boom, my peace. Right? It's, it's, uh, uh, it says yeah. gotta be all about me before I'm all about you. Cause if I don't take care of me, I'm no good to you. I can't sacrifice my feelings no more. Gotta be Careful who I let through that door. I'm changing things around this time. Uh, I'm doing things that give peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're not adding to my high, I'm going to have to tell you goodbye. Uh, Because I'm done. Yeah. Uh If you're trying to take away my piece, I'm done. I was trying to get to that hook quicker. I'm like, oh, I'm all the way at the verse. My bad. Yeah. But no, that. so my my piece is coming like soon, soon. Woo! It's coming soon, soon. Yeah. yeah. So I can't Woo! wait for y'all to hear that. Yeah.
1: Y'all, this trickled my tear ducks. I'm yeah. keeping it together. I promise you, on my my I just did an episode of my podcast, a solo episode called Checking In with My Singleness. And I was like, you're not competing with nothing that I have, nothing that I own. You're not competing with success. You're competing with my peace. Mm, yeah. Do you feel better than my peace? Man, I saw a meme that says, if you feel better than my solitude, you can come on in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's so good.
2: Woo! Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Y'all, he pricked something in my heart. And I'm transparent, something that I've been kind of vacillating the past week or two with a certain sit, 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 sit situation. <laughs> um, but he gave me my answer. You gave me your answer. Thank you so much. So we're excited about new music. And I know I had no business asking when it's coming out because he'll tell us, you guys. Don't ever ask an artist when their music so is coming out. You're so
2: close. I'm so close, though. I to that. I almost told you.
1: Okay, if they don't have, if they ain't announced it yet, but we are so excited. We're excited about what you continuously do in your hometown of New Orleans. I just want to share with everybody, he does have a project. You mentioned in the pandemic, everything was down and you stayed busy. You have Buddy's House Foundation.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: was that a musician or someone in New Orleans? Mm -hmm. Okay. And Mm -hmm. you're going to renovating the house, his house. That's right.
2: That's right. Yeah. And the house next to it. So um, it kind of fell in my lap. You know, it's been sort of a challenge because the nonprofit space was just not something I was familiar with. But I just knew my heart and the vision for this project I wanted to to jump on. So we've been working on it now for some time. But a buddy, Buddy Bolden Mm. is the well. As the legend goes, he was playing his horn on in his house and his mom kicked him out of the house and said, you playing too loud. And he got on his front stoop and played his horn. And the guy down the street heard him like, "What? Well, I never heard a horn play like that. They formed the first band that is known to play jazz music, right? And um, so this stoop is still there, gives me chills, like to know that this is where he was when this happened. And so my parents uh, this was around church. I, I have grew up around this house, didn't know about it. It was low income housing before Katrina. Mm-hmm. And then the church was able to buy it, not knowing what it was. And I just happened to move home some years after they bought it. And I say, wait, because I didn't know who Buddy Bolden was. Unfortunately, it's not really, that story's not really told. And it's a big story because our jazz music didn't turn to, to what we know as modern jazz music that went to Chicago and New York, right? Our jazz music mm-hmm. turned into R&B music Fats Domino uh, and those guys, Alan Tucson, which turned into rock and roll. Elvis was chasing Fats. So what I say is this the seed that planted American music as we know it. And um, so what I'm doing is uh, the past house is his house and the future house is the house next to it. So uh, the past house is going to be a small museum and his house as he lived in it. And then the right will be a event center where the kids can come and be members, get free studio time. Uh, really, uh, I want to focus on production, publishing, um, uh, law, everything outside of performance, because New Orleans takes care of that so well, but we don't teach the business here. So I just really want to get that into kids really early. So that's Buddy's House, and, um, you know, that's the quick the quick explanation. Wow. Yeah.
1: Amazing.
2: Y'all, yeah. yeah, he got
1: a song called Buy Back the Block, okay? Yes. So that's kind of, <laughs> not not necessarily to buy back the block so that it's like money coming back in your pocket, but buy back the block because you're doing things like making sure kids can have somewhere to learn production, learn about law and business yeah. and up their performance yeah. sure. skills. So that is awesome. Y'all, yes. I don't think I have to take up no more of this man's time because from the minute we jumped on, we got to going. You We could talk
2: forever, probably. We
1: yeah. can. We <laughs> can. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. And when you come back, when your album, when the project is done, you actually, you're welcome here anytime to talk about whatever it is. I don't care what it is.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Matter of fact, y'all, we can have him come back and we'll just like Check in with his songs. We're gonna break down some of the songs. Mm. Maybe we'll do that and get into I love his that. mind yeah. as a songwriter. There are so many creatives that check in with me from week to week that listen to this podcast. And thank you for being one of my first guests for season two. God is I'm
2: honored. Good. I'm honored. Yeah, Congrats.
1: Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. PJ, yeah. thank you for checking yeah. in.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Told y'all. He triggered my little tear ducts when he started singing some of his new song that he's got coming. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I hate when it does that. Y'all, I'm real sensitive. I check my calendar and it's not because it's that time of the month. I'm, I'm just in my feelings right now. But the show must go on. All is well. All is well. But I'm having a human a human moment right now. And he just, I feel like. I was cutting onions or something or, oh, PJ Morton, ladies and gentlemen, did we enjoy that or what? He's so inspiring. I knew he said a few things that inspire you to keep going. I'm so glad that he made that album Gumbo back in 2017 because it truly, truly changed his life. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he didn't quit. I'm so glad you're listening today. I'm so glad that you're still here Don't quit. Don't give up. And if you did drop the ball, pick it back up and keep going. This journey is not going to be some breezy walk in the park. It's not. People will try it. They will try you. You might even have family to discourage you. The person that you love the most might not support you. Or you'll feel like, well, somebody doesn't understand who I am. So it's not meant for me. I'm going to quit. I'm just going to give up. Absolutely not. You are needed. Your creativity is to fill a void in this earth. So please, 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 please keep going. There's a card that some friends sent that said, warm thoughts can make the sun a little brighter, the sky a little bluer, the world a little nicer. I think I want to say your presence, your creativity, I'm speaking to you, can make the sun a little brighter, the sky a little bluer, and the world a little nicer. So please don't give up. We need you and we love you. I love you. You are loved. All right. Check back in with us next week for another episode of Checking In. Checking in with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.